Okay. Hold on. Who's barking? Diane. Oh, hey. Can you hear Diane? No. Diane. She sniffed it. <laughs> she sniffed it. That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> oh, that was so good. <laughs> Whoa, that was good. Why do I have a fucking man laugh? You don't. I have what? like I have like an old man hobbit laugh where I'm at, I'm, I'm at a tavern with a pint and I'm like it comes in pints and then I'm like <laughs> like that's how I fucking laugh. I love that somebody was like I love Gabe's laugh and then you're Nobody not going to acknowledge it at all. I don't know. It was like in the Facebook group or something. Somebody what? said something nice about your laugh and I was like. <gasps> Why didn't you tell me about that? I could have fed off that compliment for like a week. Yeah, I think it was in the Facebook group. Can you imagine me like a little green vest and big feet and like a little beard? And I'm like, <laughs> I've been alive for <laughs> 117 years. <laughs> All right. Welcome to SVU Pod Especially Heinous. I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. And we are on season two, episode 11, Abuse. 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 <laughs> abuse. I don't need to make all the words fun. All the words aren't fun. That's not a fun word. Yet, that, that, not abuse. <laughs> I don't need to get into what I thought about this episode. We will do that as we go. Yeah. But I'm, in, I'm interested in hearing what you thought. The opening scene is we're at like a fancy ass birthday party for like a little 10 year old boy named Corbin, which is also one of my last names, by the way. Middle I mean, names. middle names. <laughs> is that what you're going to say? No, but it's also the name of uh, one of my cousins. Oh. So this is like a time period where there would be young kids named Corbin. Right. Okay. So there's like clowns, <laughs> pony rides, and from the chatter around, it sounds like a recording executive son or something. I need to pause on these guys at this table that are taking drinks from a tray. They're just panning through the party, like showing you what's happening. Yeah. But I was like, I wonder if these guys have anything to do with this because this dude, in the green velour mock turtleneck was extremely distracting. Please tell me you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, the one that grabbed the champagne thing off the... Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, what's happening with your shirt? <laughs> I think, I feel like my dad had those. It was the... velour and also oh, not like velour. ribbed and like a half Z turtleneck. Mm. And it was like yeah. fitted. I didn't look that close, but it, there, it just sounds like there's, it's like all recording people, yeah. you know? Now a profesh business suit lady. So she walks over to a young Hayden Penetier guest star. That aside, we'll talk about that in a second. Her name is Ashley, this little girl. She's sitting in a chair, rubbing her ankle and clearly in a lot of pain. And this woman completely ignores that and asks <laughs> if she's seen her brother. And Ashley's like, no. And the lady just gets up and walks away. <laughs> yeah. There is a child with an injury. She's yeah. like, yeah, okay. Mm, where is he? And then you see then, Ashley's face like in the background. She's like, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the woman then asks Sarah, a young, familiar looking British lady. I didn't look into her, but she looked familiar to me. Everybody in this episode looked fucking familiar to me. Yeah. I, I call Sarah Nanny Sarah the whole time. Sarah said she saw him heading to the bathroom a few minutes before. Just then a redheaded dude in a trench coat quickly exits the bathroom. And then like one woman's like, oh my God, what is he doing here? And then you hear Corbin scream, no, and then runs out after the dude mm -hmm. and the dude gets in a cab and the Corbin runs after him in the street and then 
fucking gets hit by a car and dies. This is like right off the bat. This is like the first 20 seconds. So the ambulance and cops are there and Corbin's mom shows up and says that she wants the dude arrested because the guy molested her son. And the cops right. are like, oh shit, we gotta call SVU. And this woman, her pixie cut, first of all, is not fucking around. It is not. She's also wearing an intense power suit, like Eddie Murphy raw level intense power suit. <laughs> Is that how they decided to show that she was rich? I think so. They Jeremy. were like, look at this iridescent, shiny looking shit. <laughs> you would only wear this if you had money to fucking burn. Oh. So now we're in the squad room and Craig and tells Benson and Stabler to make room for a VIP case, even though they have, they're they like up to their fucking tits with open cases right now. Fucking gross. Why? What do you mean? Oh, because she's rich and famous and... Yeah, he's like, what are you guys working on? And Stabler's like, 12 open rapes, 17 child abuse cases. And Craigan's like, well, <laughs> a rich white lady needs our help. So, yeah, right. Rich, famous white lady. Yeah. VIP case. I was just like, that's fucking gross. But I know. Okay. I hate fucking when there's like cases like these and Craigan like fucking is like, oh, just there's a whole bunch of shit in this where I'm like, dude, what the fuck's Me going too. on? He's worried about the press and the brass. And that's what he's fucking worried. And I get it because you're the captain and you have to man the ship and everything else. Yeah. But when it's like a poor person or whatever, they don't fucking like they'll do the illegal things to get the kid out of there or whatever. Or like the priorities are different. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Austin, which that's Corbin's mom, believes her son's molester is responsible for his death. So Ricky Austin, she's the female vocalist of the year, two years running, and it's like all over the papers. The guy who Corbin was chasing after is a former teacher of his. Benson said that Ricky and her husband adopted Corbin and then got pregnant like immediately after with their daughter, Ashley. And her husband is Jared Black. He's the mm-hmm. bad boy of the rock band Black Plague. I was so excited to see what this guy fucking looked like. And then... <laughs> I was like, how are they going to fucking do this dork? Oh. And then we get to it. and I was like, what? They didn't even right. try. They just found like, some there, guy. There were photos of the sex pistols and shit. Like there were photos like you, you literally have him black plague, Google black flag and, right. and just like anything. But instead they've got, oh, just we'll get there. But this guy is this bad. Guy. When okay. they were in court, I was like, fucking just hard laughing by myself you know it was like i've sat next to that guy at the arrow tap in fucking <laughs> wausau okay <laughs> that guy's in charge of the buns at the pine cone okay <laughs> <laughs> the pine cone's a truck stop you can buy swords there and get really good um elephant ears no uh oh yeah I mean, yeah. Their chicken dumpling soup is better than any I've ever had. And I know that's terrible. You don't like sugar, though, but their cinnamon rolls that are like the size of your face. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is wrong with me? We're like, you got to make a pilgrimage to the fucking pine cone. (laughs) No, but you kind of do. You kind of do. You had to grow up a certain way to be like, this place is amazing. (laughs) It's not. I My parents came to town and I was like, you know where we should go? The fucking (laughs) pine cone. And they were like, "Mm mm-mm. No. So yeah, Ricky got pregnant with Ashley right when they adopted Corbin. And Ashley is, remember, the little neglected Hayden Penetier. Yeah. I recognized her. I was like, oh my God, that, she's that chick from Heroes. Yeah. She's been in a ton of shit. I check in on her once in a while because like Olivia, I do read people. Uh-huh. So Hayden Penetier is an adult now and she's like divorced and there was some like messy shit. I don't know enough to even speculate on what's going on with her. So I'm not going to because it could be a number of things that mm-hmm. put her in that 
position, but she was a child star into adulthood and she is the cutest fucking kid. Yeah, dude. She is adorable and was acting beyond her years. Like her ability to act was beyond her years, you know? Yeah. She was great in this. So Stabler's like, so when are they coming here to talk? And Craigan's like, uh, no, one police plaza says that we have to go to them. This is that bullshit again. Even though they go to people's houses a lot. Yeah, that's true. Okay. They're using it to make it seem like a, um, like VIP, whatever. Okay. So Benson and Stabler are at Ricky and Jared's house. David Russo is the name of Corbin's computer teacher. He was his private tutor and the blonde lady is there. I'm guessing she's some type of manager or whatever the blonde suit lady Mm -hmm. from the party who saw Corbin get hit by the car I didn't realize that she wasn't her lawyer until I saw them in court at the very end (laughs) I was like oh (laughs) so because she's like hovers so much I was like oh she must be in PR or some type of management position we didn't Mm -hmm. even find out her name was fucking Connie until way halfway in when they Mm -hmm. just refer to Connie and I'm like oh am I supposed to know that that's that blonde lady (laughs) yeah but anyway so I've spilled the beans early the blonde lady's (laughs) name is Connie She's comforting Ricky and telling Benson and Stabler that Russo was inappropriately affectionate with Corbin. He was fired, but then Ricky found him at the house with Corbin again. And that's when they filed a restraining order. Mm -hmm. Ricky wants him charged with murder. Benson and Stabler then go to talk with Sarah. She's the nanny who also witnessed Corbin being hit by the car. We will now call her Nanny Sarah. Nanny Sarah. Jesus. Can you imagine? Mm -mm. She's like the nanny and she's like, anyway, I'm back here at work. I watched this kid that I'm like basically raising. Yeah. Oh, she said that during Corbin's lessons with Russo, she would be in and out of the room because she also had Ashley to take care of. Mm-hmm. She said that Russo hugged Corbin a lot and kissed him on the forehead. And she's like, it was a little too much. Like, it's not teacherly the way he was yeah. interacting with him. Just then Olivia hears something. So Stabes continues with Sarah as Benson finds little Ashley under a hall table. And Benson is so sweet with her. Mm-hmm. Benson asks Ashley about what she does and Ashley says she does school and lessons, tap, piano, ballet, singing. Mm-hmm. She's basically interviewing Ashley, but in this sweet little way you talk to a kid conversation kind of way. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, do you ever take computer lessons? Ashley said she was going to start, but Russo left before she could. Mm-hmm. And she also said that she wasn't, quote, friends with him like Corbin was. Yeah. Benson notices a bandage on Ashley's arm and Ashley tells her that she had an accident, but she couldn't give specifics about it. Then Benson sees these like crazy huge bruises on Ashley's legs and asks her if someone hurt her. Ashley tells her that those were from an accident too. Stabes comes to get Benson and she stays super calm and acts like NBD but gives Ashley her card and tells her that maybe they can talk again sometime. Yeah. So Benson and Stabler then go outside and are exchanging information. Stabler fills her in that Russo was actually there four to five days a week but was only paid for two. Which is fucked. What the fuck are you doing there? Yeah. You know? And then Benson tells Staves about the bruises but that Ashley didn't have contact with Russo. Mm Mm-hmm. So she's like, what's happening to Ashley then? They want to chat with this guy. Yeah. And they say it how many fucking times before they actually talk to this guy? Like 700 times or something. Oh my God. I'm like, when are we going to go talk to him? Yeah. So they're at David Russo's apartment. And oh wait, fucking... they were just trying just now. <laughs> they were trying to see him. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking lady, she lives across the hall from David and she's like so fucking nosy. Just like a little busybody. She with is a little perfect. rose in her hair. She's, she's perfect. Perfect. She kind of looks like 90s Roseanne and has a big felt rose clipped in her hair. Yeah. And she's like, oh, are you guys looking for David? Apparently she saw Russo leave the apartment crying and they're like, do you know why? And she's like, no, do you? (laughs) I know. (laughs) 
Uh, no, I was like, oh, no. She said that she thinks he got fired because she's been noticing he's been around a bunch during school hours. This bitch, like nothing fucking got past her. Mm-hmm. And she also said she's never seen him have any guests or a girlfriend or anything except little kids coming in and going out. Yeah. I mean, he's a tutor, but also like, no. But also we had that piano teacher last season where we're like, mm. I mean, yeah. that was cut and dry, you yeah. know? Also this lady, as because she's like trying to get in her door because everybody's got to be doing something when they're talking to these detectives. Yeah. She's trying to get in her door and takes her gigantic purse and just shoves it into Olivia's hands so that she can unlock her front door. And that is the quintessential older lady power move. Yeah. Fucking hold this. <laughs> it had a big old strap too. Like she could have like put, put it, it over in the crook of her elbow. Where do you put it when there's not a detective questioning you standing behind you while you she just throw it against a wall? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> so Stabler wants to stick a unit outside the apartment to snag him when he gets home. Benson's like, we don't really have anything on him, but they do because he broke the order of protection by going into the house to see Corbin. Mm-hmm. And so they want to talk to the school to see why they let him go. They're like, maybe he's got some pedophilia shit. And that's why they fired him, you know? Right. Benson At- wants more concrete evidence to snag him. She yeah. wants more to bring him in on because otherwise he's just going to get criminal contempt and he'll be out in two hours. Right, yeah. So now we're at Crestbourne School. I'm guessing they're talking to the principal, I don't know. At a private school, he would be called... The headmaster. The headmaster. Right. Or he's just called the head of school because Mm -hmm. they're like pulling problematic words and master is a problematic word. Ooh. Mm. Those are things I never thought of. Like even somebody told me about master bedroom and I was like... Yeah. And I was like, whoa, I never even... I told you about Master Bedroom. Was that you? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> now you're telling me about Headmaster as well. So the head of school, he's a cross between Jon Stewart and Tim Curry in Home Alone 2. Whoa. Tim Curry wasn't in Home Alone. Oh, yeah, too. Tim Curry was in Home Alone 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was appalled. <laughs> I know. I saw your face. <laughs> I love Tim Curry, too. Yeah. No, he was the, I love you. <laughs> the fucking concierge. He was the concierge. The head of school tells Benson and Stabler that they got rid of Russo because of cutbacks, but Stabes calls his bluff because they're standing in a private school that charges 17 grand a kid. Damn. Was it per semester or per year? I don't know. I can't remember. It's probably per year. Also, Russo was let go right after Ricky fired him. So Stabes speculates that it was just a bad look to keep him. And the head didn't think that it was true. He didn't think that Russo was molesting anybody. He said that Russo was passionate about teaching and that he had personally donated 12 computers to the school, which doesn't matter. Yeah, I was like, okay. It was also his first teaching assignment which is weird. Yeah, he had started teaching out of the blue because before he had been working at Van Rossbiller Investments as their computer whiz kid. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, like, who the fuck is this dude? Like, what is going on? I know. So it's like, I mean, this is season two has way more twist than mm-hmm. season one. So I was not satisfied with this being the actual storyline. Yeah, okay. I didn't think so either. I um, did. I called it, though. Did you? I called it, yeah. I called yeah. it, I think at one point, early on, I don't remember how early on, but at one point I was like, wait a minute. And then I thought, yeah. no, that's kind of, and then it was that. I'm like, oh. Cut to a dude at Russo's old job telling Munch and Toots, quote, when your trading system takes a dump on a volatile stock day, you pray for a Russo. Okay. <laughs> 
I paused it to type out that quote, okay? Because I just thought it was funny how hard that guy said dump, but (laughs) (laughs) I I paused it to type out that quote and you see Toots in profile and there's this grand wall bookshelf behind him. Uh Now, remember a few episodes ago when that fancy mom was talking to Benson and Stabler in her living room and she randomly had Clinton's presidential portrait on an end table? (laughs) Yeah. That fucking eight by 10 of Bill Clinton's presidential portrait is on the shelf in that office. Same frame. This prop is strictly for fancy scenes. What? Okay. I didn't even notice that. Get out our fancy props. Should I grab the Clinton 8x10? What are you new here? It's a fancy person scene. Yes. I only noticed because I paused it because of that guy's dump line. And I and I looked up and I, I looked up to see Toots in profile. And so, and there was the Bill Clinton fucking I watched it on my phone, so I can't screenshot it. But um Why? I don't know. It it always comes out black. It just like I don't know oh. if it's a th- I don't know. And I looked closer and I'm like, that's the same fucking frame, too. And I oh, get it, like the props department, but it's something that <laughs> is supposed to be just in the background. But we're also like analyzing every fucking frame if we have a moment, you know? Yeah. Did so, I tell you about my friends the SVU prop? crew ordered pins from him oh yeah yeah for an episode that's so awesome for what it was like a biker yeah and then i saw something about like the new new season or new episode there was like motorcycles in it so i wonder anyway so i just like freaked out about it and i was like all caps like (laughs) so we're gonna have to keep our eye open for the fucking bill clinton and then i wonder when it switches because i mean george w was the president then right there was also a framed portrait of reagan and i'm like reagan and clinton like what are you just trying to create some weird balance on this bookshelf because it's like here are two portraits of presidents and it's like those are very different presidents what if there was one of just like andrew jackson or something <laughs> like a drawing <laughs> something okay um so anyway russo was the vp of management information system and his position started at a hundred $50,000, which Damn. is like 220 k in today's money. Yeah. And he quit to work with kids. Yeah, that's... And they're like, we've got him, you know, thinking yeah. that he's this molester. Benson and Stabler go into Coroner Warner's office. There's just like a fried ass body there. And she's like, whoa, Emmy's done with Corbin's body. There weren't any signs of abuse, but this kid had bit his nails down to the nubs and he had a stress-related eczema and the back of his teeth were ground down. Like, this little dude was super stressed. But why? Why, Tasha? (laughs) It makes me so sad. I know. We're at the precinct. Munch and Toots are giving Craig in the rundown of what's going on. They're pulling up Russo's LUDs. LUDs? Yeah. Did you... No, did I you have no idea what that means. I googled it and shit and I couldn't figure, I couldn't even figure out. I was like, Lud's computers? I don't know. Whatever they're doing, they want to get access to Russo's personal computer because he's this computer whiz who's got to work with kids so they're looking for kitty porn. Right. We're in the squad room. We have that lady from the one episode, the one where Elias drew the pictures of himself in hell but like the pics didn't match up in court. Yeah, Dr. Olivet. <laughs> Dr. Olivet. You know why I know? Because I made that horrible dad joke about her name. Oh, that's right. How much do you want, Olivet? <laughs> Is that what you said? All of it. <laughs> Stop giggling about it. <laughs> it's not even funny. <laughs> She's asking how Corbin gets along with his dad, the Jared rock and roll guy. But he's been on tour for a long time. The kids are always with the nanny. So they don't have really have anything and they don't even have a witness. So they thought that they should go and try to talk to some of the other kids that Russo tutors because maybe, you know, they've had some experiences. So Staves is talking to this cute little doughy kid about Russo as a teacher and the kids like he's way cool i wrote stabler's talking to this stupid little kid in a green sweater (laughs) (laughs) 
The kid said that he did lessons at Russo's apartment because he had this awesome computer set up. And through the questioning, he was really confused and just went on to say that Russo never touched him, hugged him, nothing. The last time he saw him was at soccer practice. He said that Russo was just there watching and then stayed after to talk to Corbin. Mm -hmm. Since this is the second instance they've learned about him violating his restraining order, they're going to go pick him up. Mm -hmm. So the super lets the whole crew into Russo's apartment. It's full of boxes. Somebody's moving. Mm -hmm. They find a room with a bunch of framed photos of Corbin, articles, an 8 by 10 of Bill Clinton. No. <laughs> joking. <laughs> Actually, when the, the soccer practice thing, that was when I wrote, is Russo Corbin's real dad. They did say he was adopted. Yeah, I, I don't think I caught it at that point yet. I think it was after the shrine. No, it was when, nope. It was the next scene because of the two years thing. Anyway, so he's got this like shrine to Corbin. That They call it a shrine. Yeah. Just then Russo walks in and I'm like, okay, I get a good look at your face. This guy's been in a ton of stuff. Notably for me, he was that dick local cop in Super Troopers. You remember? Wait, is he the one that like wanted to be with that lady, but then she like wanted to be with? Yes. Yes. He was the one who was hitting on her in like the precinct. Hold on. I got to fucking. And he was that like redheaded guy. You'll, you'll know the second you see him. You'll see him in like a blue cop uniform, but he's been in a ton of stuff. But as soon as I saw his face, I was like, yeah, we all know you. So the detectives place him under arrest. Benson and Stabler have Russo in interrogation. He had been following Corbin for two years prior to working with him. That's mm-hmm. when I was like, I wonder if he's his dad. Yeah. He admitted to getting the job at Crestbourne to be near Corbin. Then he got the job working with him privately. He goes on about what shit parents Corbin has, how Corbin is an accessory to them. Russo said that he told Corbin that his parents were garbage. And he's like, why do you think I was fired? Mm. Stabler's like leaning super hard in they press and bring up to him russo molesting corbin yeah and he is disgusted and he denies it and stabler presses even harder and he's like wants an explanation why his life revolves around this kid and he just flips out and goes because he's my son yeah and stabler kind of leans back like he's never heard of dads molesting their sons I mean, yeah. yeah, but like it all of a sudden made everything make sense. Right. So now they're in the squad room and it, it turns out uh, Russo never told Corbin that he was his dad because he didn't want to mess with his head. So he got a girl pregnant when he was 17 and then the girl put Corbin up for adoption and signed away all of his rights. And it's been 10 years and it like still bugs him. So he found him on the Internet and he just kind of drops everything to become a teacher to like get close to him and be just be near his son. I mean, it was a closed adoption, but because he's this computer whiz, like he was able to tick yeah. to tick 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 you know hack yeah. into whatever and figure it out so Craigan's like we need to get on the adoption agency and rush dna problem is they don't have a living victim there's no confession there's no witnesses they don't really have a case for anything but Craigan's like i don't give a shit <laughs> Craigan does not like this high profile shit yeah and then the phone rings benson answers it she like is the only one who properly answers a phone oh i said that she answered it like it was a takeout place she's like brr, brr. SVU, this is Detective Benson. She was on the phone for at least two seconds. Is this for pickup or takeout? <laughs> That's the same thing. Is this for delivery or takeout? <laughs> so it's little Ashley. She's in the hospital and like called Benson. 
because she has her card. So they're at the hospital and she Ashley's like very pumped to see Olivia. Yeah. And she just says that she fell on the stairs at home. Olivia asked if she would let her know if there was any way she could help stop these accidents. And Ashley goes, you can't stop accidents. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is happening with this girl? And Stabler's talking to Nanny Sarah. There were no parents around. Ricky was in the recording studio and Jared, I think, is on his way back from Europe. Stabler's like, why the fuck is the mom here? And Nanny Sarah's like, I can't really talk about it. All of us employees have signed like a confidentiality agreement and like she could lose her job or be sued. The nanny said she was packing up Corbin's room when Ashley fell and like didn't have her in the room because they didn't want to put her through that. She tells Stabler that she's been with them for a year and Stabler's like, well, how many accidents has she had in that time? And she starts to get upset and says, Ashley's had accidents all of her life. And then she says, do you know how many I've prevented? Like, what the fuck does that mean? And then I said, is Ashley hurting herself because she's so neglected and needs attention? Yeah. Just then fucking Connie, the manager, she just like showed up all of a sudden she was in the frame. She's like, why aren't you with Mm -hmm. Ashley? She's like, what the fuck are you doing here to Stabler? Mm-hmm. Stabler tells Connie that Ashley called them and that's why they're there. And she ominously says, oh, I'm sorry she bothered you. I won't let it happen again. As she walks away, there's a deep, deep, deep pan in on Stabler's skeptical <laughs> face and the music swells. His eyes like got so like squinched. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you think you're going to fool fucking Stabler? Not now, not ever. His eyes, what did you say? Got, they squinched? Squinched. Is that a word? I, I don't, don't know. think it is. But when I knew squinch. immediately what you meant when you said it. Yeah, I, just, I always call it when you squinch up your nose and your eyes. Like you're like, I think it's scrunch. I think I like squinched better. Pinch. Squinch is cuter. Scrunch. <laughs> what was the chonk? <laughs> I don't want this for my daughter. <laughs> So Benson and Stabler catch Nanny Sarah outside and she's like, oh my God, the way they were fucking like coming at her. Do you, this chick was trying to get into a cabin. She's like, I can't. I'm going to, you don't understand. And they were just like in her way and bombarding her the whole time. And then mm-hmm. she gets in a cab. She's like super upset. Who are you covering for? Ricky? Connie? Yeah. Jared? From Subway? <laughs> From prison? <laughs> she went to Jared. Uh. <laughs> Uh, oh, 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 O'Reilly. <laughs> no, I just didn't have another Jared thing. <laughs> oh, God. What's the AutoZone one? Oh, my God. Get what? in the zone. AutoZone. So she refuses to answer anything they're asking, saying that they misunderstood her and jumps in the cab. If right. they misunderstood you, clarify it. I don't know. You didn't even say anything that could be misunderstood. Ugh. All right, they're in a squad room. Munch tells Olivia that fucking Ashley has called three times already. She just wants to fucking chat. Kragen comes in like Mari fucking Povich. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you know? And he's, he announces the DNA results came in. Russo is Corbin's dad. The way he said it, too. I'm like, you watch the yeah. show. Russo is Corbin's father. Everybody's like, <laughs> damn! <laughs> Kragen wants to close up the case. But Benson and Stabler are like, we can't because someone is hurting Ashley, too. And Kragen is fucking not having it. He's like, no one's complained you can't just fabricate abuse cases especially in high profile cases and that that's another thing where i was like because it's high profile and these people want you to stop you're not gonna like go the normal length that you would you know what mm-hmm. i mean which is just another like it's something whatever. that's having influence yeah. that shouldn't be influencing that benson Stabler, like we are this close to getting the na- nanny sarah to talk let us have one more shot at her and craigan's like nope close it up leave him alone craigan won't even let them go in person to talk to ricky and tell her about Russo being Corbin's real dad. He says they have to do it by phone. Our favorite pair of detectives look at each other and they don't say any words, but their eyes say, yeah, we're not
not doing that, right? Yeah, Stabler like wiggled his eyebrows at Olivia and I was like, ooh. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'll get the keys. Yeah. yeah. So naturally, we're at Ricky Austin's house. <laughs> they went anyways. <laughs> Ashley runs out to see Olivia, but her new nanny whisks her away and manager Connie comes down to ask them what's up. Like, why are you so into our nannies? Yeah. Then Ricky <laughs> comes down. What? Why are you so obsessed with our nannies? <laughs> <laughs> then Ricky comes down and they tell her that Russo was Corbin's real dad. And she's like, no way. She's like, what did he want? Was he like trying to extort money from us? And they're like, no. And then, and then the manager's like, don't be naive. Like he'll probably sell his story in like a minute. Mm-hmm. Whatever. As the detectives leave the house, they're stopped by an employee outside. And she tells them that Sarah was deported. Nanny Sarah. And then I was like, oh yeah, she's British. Then this employee says that she's worried about the little girl and she can't say anymore. And she scurries off. They look at each other and they're like, what the hell is going on in that house? Yeah. So then Craig and is spanking Benson and Stabler for going over there. And they're digging in about something being very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. Like Corbin had crazy anxiety. Why? Ashley has a ton of unexplained accidents. The only person willing to talk about it is getting deported, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they find out that she's at the INS detention center in New Jersey. She's not deported yet. And Craig says famous people hide shit because they're under a microscope, but he lets the detectives go to talk to Sarah anyway because of all of their reasoning. Sometimes he caves real easily, especially how pissed he was for like them just blatantly being like, mm-hmm. yeah, so we went anyways. And we, they're like, we were in the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> but then sometimes yeah. he's like, do it. So it's weird. Mm-hmm. So now we're at INS in New Jersey. Nanny Sarah is pissed at them for not leaving her alone. She says that Ricky is never there and makes Ashley super hyper. Nanny Sarah even called child services anonymously once. One of the rare times that Ricky was with her children in the car, she fell asleep and hit a pole. She says sometimes Ricky seemed stoned, but after Ricky hit the pole, they were whisked away before the police got there. The kids were. Yeah. And then Ricky had everything all tidied up before children's services even started looking into it. Mm -hmm. So Ricky's power and money kind of made the police report and hospital records kind of just go away. Right. We're at the hospital. Munch and Toots are talking to the attending the ER doctor. Yeah. He was the ER doctor that was attending the night of Ricky's car accident. She used the pseudonym to check into the hospital so reporters and fans wouldn't show up. But he won't tell them the name because of doctor-patient privilege. So her injuries were minor, but they heard she was babbling incoherently and the doctor said he didn't even do a toxic screen. Right. Which is usually automatic when something like this happens, you know? But she's fucking famous. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I gotta go do my rounds. Bye. (laughs) You know? Like, just kind of takes off. Yeah. It happens to be the same hospital that Ashley was just at for her fall down the stairs. So they're gonna need a subpoena so they can get those records. Yeah, obviously like the hospital's covering shit too. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're at the school. Benson and Stabler are talking to one of Ashley's teacher, who I really like, by the way. Yeah, I liked her too. She says she really likes Ashley a lot, but that she's very disruptive in class. Ashley talks through class and then gets mad when other kids won't talk back to her. Mm-hmm. Ashley is starved for attention, so we'll try and get it with positive or negative behavior. And she also right. shows off a lot and like falls off stuff. Yeah, Benson called them look at me accidents. Yeah, Ashley is often in timeout and Olivia's like, she needs help rather than the punishment. And the teacher's like, I agree. I took it to the headmaster. And he told Ricky and Jared that Ashley needs therapy or she was going to be expelled. But it didn't mm-hmm. sit well with Ricky and Jared. So yeah. they donated a new library and Ashley isn't in therapy and spends a lot of her time in time out in school. And the teacher yeah. is not happy about it. I like how she wasn't. She was like, I'm not covering for any of this. Like, this is what's happening. And I don't agree with it. And I went to the teacher or the head man the head guy what was it the yeah i mean she called him the headmaster but now it's now they just would refer to him as the head of the school head of school 
Head of school. Okay. All right. Outside school, walk and talk. Yep. Benson's defeated. Mm -hmm. Stabler tells her that it's the end of the road for them. Ashley's not being abused. She's not being criminally neglected. It's not an SVU case. We have to let it go. And Benson's like, but she's cute and white. <laughs> That's not what she said. But but I mean, society is saying she's that. She's like, like, her parents don't love her. And they're like, Stabler literally says, like, do you know how many fucking unloved kids you think are in this city? Yeah. You have to let it go. And he's not wrong, but it sucks. You know, it does suck. So they're back at the precinct and Toots tells Benson that the 2-7 has Ashley. Toots is on the phone for more than 0 0.05 seconds. I feel like they're, <laughs> they're like starting to build up phone time now. <laughs> oh my God. It's 20 years later this season. There's just an episode of somebody on the phone. <laughs> They're like, we had to build to it. Stop criticizing us in the beginning. Like we had to what do build you to where we got. What do, you, what do you fucking want from us? So Ashley's at the 2-7. She went in there looking for Benson. She just like went to a police station thinking she's going to find Benson in fucking New York. Which is adorable. Is it? I mean, it's adorable that she thought that. It's not adorable that she went. Oh, yeah. So Benson says that they got to head down there. And Stabler's like, I'm not going. Yeah, he's like, remember that little conversation we had yesterday about how there's a bunch of unloved kids in New York and it's not your problem? Yeah, I don't have time for this shit. Remember, we have fucking 12 open rapes and 17 fucking abuse cases. I'm going to start looking into that. Right. You can go down. She's like, no, they're they're poor people. They, they can they can wait. Yeah. Whatever. He's he's like, have a uni driver home. What's going on here? You know, mm -hmm. we're the SVU of man. Yeah. I mean, but it's also man. not like Olivia's fault. This girl is calling her, but she has to like just be like, no. Yeah. Let me say this. Olivia's not psychologically equipped to handle this the way this girl has latched onto her. Not this early. Mm -mm. Oh, no, not this early. Eventually, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, because later when she has her son, her son mm -hmm. starts showing kind of signs of not being neglected, but like not having enough attention from Olivia, from her nannies, because she works so much, remember? Yeah. And mm -hmm. it like made, she, yep. yeah. Not that, we're not, we're not even there yet. But like, like if she years. was to go through everything that she did that she eventually does with Noah it's like how many kids would you have adopted right you know yeah. anyway so Stabes isn't gonna go I feel like it's fine if we talk about like f future episodes right I think it's fine okay good you good. know um so these old ones it's weird listening to to like watching these old ones and like talking about them because I'm like eventually we're gonna get to the seasons that I've seen because some seasons I've seen multiple times yeah and like the old ones I haven't watched this in fucking 20 years no same so i haven't seen a lot of i've the... forgotten a ton of stuff like plot lines everything i've forgotten most of it yeah. and i'm watching it like for the first time you know and but i same. know that we're gonna get to to some that i'm like i can't pretend like i don't know what's gonna happen here yeah same yeah i uh don't remember the first seasons really that much at all yeah i don't either okay so benson goes down to the two seven ashley's sitting alone in a conference room at that precinct just hanging by herself <laughs> she's just hanging out by herself ashley had ditched school and took a cab there and she just wants to hang out with Benson. Olivia tells her that she's working and Ashley can't be doing this shit Ugh. and Ashley slams her hand down. First of all when she just said that when she said she just wanted to hang out with Olivia I was like oh my god this is gonna get fucking super dicey. Uh-huh. Ashley does not want to fucking go home and gets mad slams her hand down on a table so hard it starts bleeding. So we're like okay here are these accidents like she's just. She just showed Olivia that it's like she's acting out and then it goes back to like in my mind it goes back to the party in the beginning where Connie just completely ignores the fact that she's like rubbing her ankle. Yeah. Because she's 
constantly getting injured, but it's like she's also not safe. Like the level of her injuries are. Yeah. Something is clearly wrong and the adults aren't doing anything about it. Right. You know. Um, so Benson asks her if her mom's home and she just goes, she never is. Yeah. So Benson takes Ashley to the studio to drop her off with Ricky because Ricky's there singing. I wish they wouldn't have shown her singing because it doesn't like ruin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I just have you watched Barb and Star yet? No. Oh my god! I'm Where'd not even you, gonna did, tell you. What did you watch it on? Amazon Prime. Did you have to rent it? it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's good. Oh my god! It's so good. It's like um, it. it's like a Kristen Wiig naked gun. It's what? so fucking good. Weird. It's so cool. fucking good. It's so funny and stupid in the best way. <laughs> like you're gonna love how t- I got my labia pierced. <laughs> it's so fucking good. <laughs> Okay, Ricky refuses to talk to Benson and sends Ashley off to wait with Connie. And it's and that's it. Benson's just at a fucking loss. She can't get through to this woman. Yeah, like this fucking little chick just needs some fucking attention. Mm. You know what I mean? So Liv is talking to all of it. And she's giving her the rundown about how Ashley calls all the time. And all of it thinks that Ashley may have reactive attachment disorder. Mm -hmm. And Ashley hurting herself is part of the package. uh, And it could escalate. There is treatment for it, but she'd have to see the mother and daughter together. And then I'm like, what about the dad? Which we all know wouldn't happen. We're just going to factor in the expectations of dads in general. The whole thing. I was like, not once did they mention the fucking dad being on tour. The dad, fucking whatever. Dr. Olivet says if Benson can prove the danger is imminent, children's services may be able to mandate therapy. Yeah. So now we're out child services. Benson is like really trying to get this lady to do something about this emotional abuse. And this lady is like, bro, we have like 32 families I'm handling. Like I have babies with skull fractures. I have 10 year old sex workers, a kid about to die in the burn unit. My favorite part, which is a gross thing to say about like everything she's saying. But the best is when she first looks at her, she goes, you're busting my shoes over this. And I'm like, I love that turn of phrase, but I've never heard it before yeah but anyway sorry you're talking about really fucked up things go ahead it's hard because you like want because emotional abuse is also terrible you know what i mean but like it can do a lot of fucked up damage but Mm -hmm. like when you have like people like fucking close fist punching children and shit she's like what do you want me to do go be in the hospital with this kid that's dying in the burn unit or like go hang out with this person that's not really like it's be it's it's hard to say it's hard to say that's being emotionally abused like that's like worse or better it's just i don't know but she's like you tell me who should get my attention your one girl or my battered 30 she is overwhelmed as it is and olivia's like i want you to stop everything and deal with this thing and it's like benson that's not how this works Yeah, it's unfortunate that we don't have more. I know I've talked about this before and it bothers me that we don't have a lot of resources to help social social workers workers and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Like, just I fucking hate our country. I mean, at the end of this scene, I'm like, Benson, why don't you just go back to that pile of open cases, Craig, and had you set aside in the beginning of the episode for this high profile family? And just like like, focus on one of those right now. Yeah, I'm sure you can find another kid, throw a fucking dart and you will hit 20 fucking kids that will take your attention to the level that this girl's taking your attention yeah so benson's stopping at ashley's to try and talk to ricky again but gets turned away by a member of the staff and she's outside just then as olivia's leaving ashley's walking up to the house with her nanny and she's like olivia and she runs after her and then ashley immediately gets super upset because olivia says that she can't come in to come see her room ashley runs off and it nearly gets hit by a garbage truck backing 
up, but Olivia grabs her out of the way. And there's so much commotion that Ricky and another staff member run out of the house. Ricky grabs Ashley away from Olivia and tells her to leave them alone. Olivia begs her to get Ashley help and to go to therapy. Oh and- my God. And then she's like, oh my God, I talked to a shrink and she can help. And Ricky's like, you did what? And I was like, oh my God, what are you doing? Ricky is pissed that Benson is overstepping and tells her to fuck off. Mm-hmm. We're at the precinct. Benson walks in. She's got six missed calls from Ashley. It's, it's, she has had a day. It's in the morning. This is the next morning. Because they're like, good oh. morning. They're like, morning, Olivia. And, and fucking Ashley had called six times already. Cragen comes out and dads the fuck out of the squad. Yep. He's like, Benson, you're on desk duty. You can't follow my orders on the street. You can try keeping my files straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's my dad. Yeah. And he's like, and if anybody else in here has Olivia's hearing problem, they better stay the fuck away from me. You know, I was like, oh, yes. shit. I even wrote like he's pissed and dadding out on everyone. Just like, yeah. He's in. And Olivia's like, someone's got to help her. And he he under his breath goes, really? And turns around because he was like, are you fucking talking to me right now? You dumb bitch. He's like, yeah. thanks to you. Now, none of us can and throws down a fucking restraining order against the whole unit. Yep. Fuck Olivia. And and for some reason, I was like over it at this point because I said, how is there still 11 minutes left in this episode? I know. I know. know, But it's also like, what what is like, how do you handle this? I don't know. Probably more professionally, Olivia. This little chick has been up her ass. Like she needs to not call back. I don't fucking know. First of all, you can't try to reason with like a, what is she, six-year-old? I don't know. Seven-year-old? Eight-year-old? I don't know. Enough to know how to take a fucking cab by herself in New York City. Jesus Christ. (laughs) But like, I don't know. She just is up Olivia's ass and she needs to... You just gotta start ignoring her. I don't know. I'm at my job. Benson's in Cabot's office and Cabot's saying the same thing. Like, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And Benson says that there's proof that she needs all this help. And after a ton of pushing, Cabot finally says she might be able to get them on imminent risk of harm. But then she's like, we still have one major hurdle. And guess who it is? (laughs) Get ready to jump, Benson, because it's time to experience Cragen's (laughs) high blood pressure. (laughs) So they're in Cragen's office and he's like, are you trying to get fired? Because that's the only option I have left. He is... (gasps) fucking over it yep and olivia is like not backing down though no and she tells him that she knows where this kid is headed yeah she's like would i do this for no reason would i act like this for no reason apparently yes though olivia yeah i guess you said i mean you're a human being that gets fixated too no one's helping this girl not even the head of school cabot's there backing her up reluctantly mm-hmm. and she says that they can get an article 10 proceeding they're gonna get ashley pulled out of her home cabot can pull strings to keep it out of the press which would keep craig happy and she can also get the restraining order lifted since it's an active investigation so craig yeah. just like all right do it there's no other way to do this since ricky and jared's power and money gets them to circumvent authority every other way Yeah. So cut to Ricky's where Stabler's taking Ashley while Ricky is being held back by police. Cabot serves Ricky with an indictment for impairment of emotional health. A hearing will be a few days later to determine Ashley's placement. And Ricky looks at Benson and goes, why are you doing this to me? And Olivia steps to her and goes, this isn't about you. This is about Ashley. And I'm going, you're pulling Ashley out of her house. Do you understand what the foster care system looks like? Yeah. But we get there. Yeah. 
so we're at the precinct now and Ashley's like just super pumped to be around Olivia and they're like calling around for like fucking family members to take her and nobody will. Munch says it's because they don't want to like piss off their meal ticket. Which I don't understand because I'm pretty sure Ricky would want a family member to take Ashley over having her go somewhere she's never been and knows no one. Yeah, like I don't uh, know what that's Put about. yourself in the parent's shoes. Like not even as a good parent, just as a parent where it's like if my cousin was like, hey, the cops called me and asked me if I wanted to take Ashley overnight. Yeah. As the mom to at least want to have some level of like control or assurance of knowing where your kid was at. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that was about. That didn't track for me. So Ashley says to Olivia, like, when are we going to your house? And Olivia's like, we're not like, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere for the night. Ashley's totally upset and they're taking her to the late street foster care so mm-hmm. olivia goes to dr- drop her off and then comes back to the precinct and stabler's sitting there it's like late yeah it's like late late so she was like yeah so late street is like a room with a bunch of cots and then stabler says it's been about a month now hasn't it and she was like from what he's like since your mom died she's like where the fuck did that come from stabler hard calls her out olivia's mom was successful and rarely home and when she was she was drunk and olivia didn't get a chance to like resolve that stuff and was just a lonely little girl herself yeah olivia like doesn't see that there's a connection she refuses to see the correlation she's like no it's not connected you're like okay staves is all eyebrows yeah in this whole scene he's like he's one giant okay. eyebrow with um slacks <laughs> <laughs> and a marine tattoo i'm gonna fucking draw a picture of that it's like an eyebrow with two little stick legs <laughs> so we're at family court here we finally see ashley's dad jared black he has a fucking mullet he does not ugh, i can't do you have anything for this that's better because i was just like this is insane he looks like every middle-aged dude that was drunk at my grandpa's annual fishing contest yeah okay so it's like feathered hair this guy looks rough when i saw him i immediately recognized him i'm like this guy really? doesn't miss a chili cook-off oh he's been married twice to the same woman <laughs> <laughs> they're like we have to get a guy that looks like he recreationally does coke too much yeah like we're not going for for addict we're going for this guy is not madison square garden this guy is county fair Something. Something's going on. It, it doesn't fit. This guy is the sound check guy for Brett Michaels. <laughs> Ew. Uh. <laughs> anyway, he's supposed to be this big rock star. Let's keep let's keep it moving. Yeah. Ricky and Jared are filing a 1028 application to have Ashley returned. The judge is pissed that SVU and Cabot circumvented family court and took the kid out of her home. Ricky is on the stand. She's saying that she grew up poor and is hi- was highly motivated to provide for her kids with everything she never had. She calls herself a workaholic. Obviously, she says she met Benson through Corbin's death and then that she had to take out a restraining order because Benson became obsessed with Ashley. Cross-examination time. Cabot is going through the list of all of Ashley's accidents and wonders why it didn't concern her that Ashley was injured. Mm-hmm. And Cabot's like, where were you? And like hands her Ricky's list of all her tour dates for the last five years. Every one of Ashley's major accidents lines up with dates that Ricky was gone. But I'm also wondering, why are they not asking the dad where he's been? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a whole nother layer of... We know that it's like... That's a whole other fucking blooming onion. Yeah. Cabot tells her she's never seen them, seen so many desperate cries for mommy to come home. Mm -hmm. Not daddy or whatever. It's fine. But Ricky claims that she gave the absolute best of everything to her kids. Mm -hmm. So it's Ashley's turn to be on the stand and she's soups excited to see her dad. She's like all smiles and mouths. Hi, daddy. Yeah. Ashley says that Olivia was her friend, but she didn't want her. Mm. 
and I was just like, ooh, sick burn, Ashley. <laughs> what if, what if, what if Bess just got up and threw a fucking chair at her? Like, fuck you. They had to like take her away. And Ashley just gives her the finger like the whole time. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> Ashley's ordered to be returned to her parents. The judge also orders ACS to monitor the home and the family start counseling. And Ricky tells the judge that she'll postpone her upcoming tour to like go to therapy with her daughter. And the judge is like, good choice. So I'm I'm thinking like, you know, maybe this was the thing that they needed to like get yeah. Ricky to be a better mom, but not Jared. You and Olivia. So yeah, Jared's like, well, I'm out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> Rides a fucking Harley through the window. <laughs> He's a background extra on Sons of Anarchy. Oh, God. What a puke-ass show. Anyways, go ahead. Outside, there's paparazzi, snapping pics. Benson goes up to Ricky and tells her she was only looking out for Ashley. And Ricky goes, you come near her again and I'll have your badge. Mm-hmm. And you can't really, like, blame her. I thought the same thing. I'm like, I would probably check somebody, too. Yeah. And I also really liked Ricky's coat. That she was wearing. Yeah. So we're at the precinct. Craigan still has live on desk duty. Stabler's like, Craigan just probably needs a few more days to cool off. So she has a hearing with the disciplinary committee in a week. Mm-hmm. And Toots was like, hey, was it worth it? And she was like, I hope, I hope it woke Ricky up. Craigan fucking walks in and drops a newspaper on Olivia's desk. Ricky played a sold out crowd in London last night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sh- everything's going to stay the same. Deep sigh. All of it's going to remain the same. And there's Duh. nothing you can do. It yeah. was it, the whole episode is a lesson learned for Olivia. Yeah. That's the entire thing. Yep. Let's go back to helping people that are in our wheelhouse, in our <laughs> scope of work. Yeah. And also Corbin wasn't being molested. But like, do we have to harass this family who has a dead child? The whole thing is fucked. The whole thing is fucked up. Yeah. Also, No. I don't have time to go on any more tangents. I didn't I didn't care about this episode. Like I didn't care for it. Yeah, I wasn't like there just wasn't a whole lot. And I had just I I mean, this week I just finished editing um Taken. Mm. You know, the one with the Khan family. Yeah. And I was like, this uh How does that follow this? This you know? isn't raising my pulse at all. Yeah. Isn't that what this is supposed to do? Isn't that what the fucking orchestra music is for? Right? Is that orchestra music to you? I just I love you. I wish that everybody could see. She like pulled up this like imaginary violin hard at it. Was like beep 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 so you're playing a fiddle. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah, you're right. Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Here was your face. You're going. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I don't. Um, I guess if I go back and look. <laughs> oh, God. I wish this video. Uh, can you. Rec- it's recording, I can right? Do, can I can you? record video. But it, it was. Uh, I guess I had like devil went down to Georgia. Yeah. But um, when when does anybody play anything like this? And like you squinched one eye. Uh, when when they're in Reba McIntyre's band, you watch any fucking country music CMAs, and there's gonna be a dude or a lady on a fiddle, fucking just having at it. Ramming and ramming, ramming, Okay. 
Okay, so this is the second time we're recording a chaser for this episode. Originally, I did this whole chaser on Drew Barrymore because don't even, it don't just go. Don't even worry no, about no, it. No, I want I want to do it because I have to talk about why this doesn't relate. Oh, okay. Just go. I have it all written out. I thought you were like calm down. You're like let's record for three hours now. Hurry up. <laughs> yeah, but I thought you were gonna do that thing where you were like gonna shame yourself for like twenty minutes and then no, start. no, no. I so <laughs> that thing where you shame yourself for twenty minutes. <laughs> So originally I did this whole chaser on Drew Barrymore and, and I'm like, pick up the pace, loser. <laughs> Sorry. Like even before I did it, I was like not feeling a hundred percent great about it. And then I, it took me forever to write it out. And I don't know why it just seemed, it felt weird. And then we did it. And Gabe was like, I feel weird about that. Like you felt weird about mm -hmm. the whole thing. Why did you feel weird about it? Uh, it was just weird to be like, I don't know, talking about somebody else's like addictions and it just felt odd. I didn't like it. I didn't like how it made yeah. me feel. Gabe said that to me and I was like, that's not why I don't like it, but I know I don't like it. And then I kept thinking about it. And then I was like, I know why I didn't like how that felt because it felt really parent shamey to her mom. It's like, it's, it's a wishy-washy episode with that subject, mainly because Olivia's like, this isn't how you're supposed to be a mom and I'm going to step in even though this isn't what we're here for. Right. And like, I thought about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I don't love that. You know, mm -hmm. like, do I want parents to spend a lot of time with their kids and blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. But I am not to say how someone else needs to raise their kid as long as the kid is like getting their basic needs met, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, so then just, I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I texted Gabe within like a day and I was like, I want to redo this fucking chaser. I don't like it. Yeah. I'm still sitting here going, I don't have a subject to do it on because I don't want to do it on anything that relates to the through line of the episode. Mm -hmm. So, so I took one of our favorite elements of this episode. Ghosts? Oh, wait. Okay. Yeah. Of the episode of the show of episode 11. Okay. Stabler's butt. <laughs> An ode to Stabler's butt. I actually wrote a four-page poem. It's all fart noises. <laughs> <laughs> Round and juicy, peachy, white. Gabe thinks about it day and night. <laughs> <laughs> it better so, be an iambic pantameter or I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I took our favorite element of this episode, that fucking rock and roll dad, and went so far off that... Is it a true crime at all? So this chaser, yes, Good. is about Sid Vicious. Ooh. I want to focus on Vicious's crimes slash alleged crime, but I will also give a brief history of who he was. The short version is that he was an abusive, glamorized edgelord who liked to use shock value instead of learning how to play the bass. Damn, that's so true and spot on. Oh, shit. Anybody who loves this dude is going to fucking hate me because... I think he's a complete piece of trash. <laughs> like, do I feel sad that he was sad? Sure, because he's a human being and I'm a human being and I care about human beings. But this guy was a fucking asshole piece of shit um, with zero talent. And he didn't have zero talent. He just couldn't play the fucking bass. And the Sex Pistols are so like, yeah, whatever. Simon John Ritchie was born May 10th, 1957 in London. He was raised primarily by his mom and was in and out of trouble, eventually dropping out of high school. In 1973, when he was 16, Ritchie met John Lydon, a a.k.a. Johnny Rotten. Mm -hmm. Rotten supposedly gave Sid Vicious his stage name after Rotten's hamster Sid bit the dude and John Ritchie responded with, quote, Sid is really vicious. Mm -hmm. So his, like, badass name came from a hamster bite. Okay. 
Sid was asked to replace the Sex Pistols bassist Glenn Matlock in 1977. This guy supposedly had a huge hand in creating what the Sex Pistols were putting out. They replaced him with Sid and he didn't even fucking play the bass. Mm -hmm. Manager Malcolm McLaren said, quote, if Johnny Rotten is the voice of punk, then Vicious is the attitude. Like he'd go to shows and fucking get in the mosh pit and whip a bike chain around and do that fucking pogo mosh pit thing. Mm -hmm. Apparently he invented that. So while they were recording their debut album, Nevermind the Bullocks, Here's the Sex Pistols, Mm -hmm. Sid was in the hospital for hepatitis, assumedly from shooting up and whatever. So he didn't even, he played on like one song on the entire album. Mm -hmm. That same year, in 1977, Sid met Nancy Spungen. Nancy was a Philly native. Growing up, she struggled, getting in trouble constantly, being seen by psychiatrists, attempting suicide. She was eventually diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm. As a young teen, she went to London to follow the punk scene and was, of course, called a groupie. Photographer Eileen Polk, who knew Nancy and was a good friend of Sid as well, told New York Magazine, quote, she was blatantly honest about it. She brought drugs for the bands. In order to be a groupie, you had to be tall and skinny and have fashionable clothes. And then here comes Nancy. She's not trying to be cute or charming. She wasn't telling people she was a model or a dancer. She had mousy brown hair and she was a bit overweight. She basically said, yeah, I'm a prostitute and I don't care, which isn't fucking true. But that's just to paint the picture of her having a real don't give a fuck like punk rock attitude. A lot of people didn't like her. Mm -hmm. She was an abrasive personality. When Sid and Nancy met, they became inseparable. Nancy is often blamed for introducing Sid to heroin, but that's never been officially confirmed. And it's such a fucking cliche to Yoko Ono, every goddamn girl who dates a dude in a band, fucking Courtney Love. Dude, this goes right back to the Adam and Eve shit. Like, yes, it's like Adam, just like, first of all, that's just not real. But like, (laughs) if somebody hands me heroin sure like i like how you're holding it like a witch with an apple yeah if somebody hands me heroin yeah so if if somebody hands me an apple i don't they're polishing it yeah (laughs) i don't have to take a bite like that's your choice take some fucking responsibility dudes yeah why do you gotta blame women for shit like oh my god that's funny my next line here is stop blaming women for guys behavior yeah yeah and also sid's mom was a heroin addict Mm-hmm. And it's like Nancy showed up and he's all of a sudden shooting up and it's like, mm. whatever, fuck off. Sid was also constantly in trouble for being an asshole and also for assault. Mm-hmm. And it was usually when he was fucked up. I mean, everything I read, it was always when he was fucked up, but he was like a dick from the beginning. So a couple examples. He threw a glass at the dam's lead singer Dave Vinian on stage because he was pissed at him. It missed and shattered and partially blinded a girl at the show. Cool. So for that, he was imprisoned at the Ashford Remand Center. Mm -hmm. And it was just constantly stuff like this. If somebody wrote something bad about him or like unfavorable about him, he would threaten them, assault them. He was just like an angry white guy. Yeah. In January of 1978, the Sex Pistols were off to tour in the U.S. Nancy, of course, went along. And as you either know or can imagine, it didn't go great. Mm -hmm. Sid was a full-blown heroin addict at this point. Thanks a lot, Nancy. (laughs) Sorry. So he pulled all kinds of shit on stage, like cutting himself and just doing all these things that were... Weird Gigi Allen shit. Yeah, just like decidedly punk rock. Between assaulting an audience member by bashing him with his bass and carving gimme a fix in his chest during withdrawals at a live show, this guy was falling apart. Mm-hmm. All right. There was also a ton of conflict between Johnny Rotten and manager Malcolm McLaren as well. Pretty quickly, the group deteriorated during this tour and they ended up only playing eight shows before disbanding. 
Well, Sid and Nancy took off to do their own thing. She was acting as his manager while he did some solo stuff. Also, they were doing a ton of drugs. He performed with other bands and musicians, was doing solo stuff. He was just as awful as ever, antagonizing the audience during live shows, running his mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Sid and Nancy moved into the Chelsea Hotel in Manhattan on August 24th, 1978. Mm -hmm. At 2.30 a.m. on October 12th, Nancy had asked Rockets Red Glare, a dude who bodyguarded for Sid sometimes, to get some Dilaudid, which is an opioid painkiller. Mm -hmm. At 7.30 a.m., quote, female moans were reported to have been heard by other guests of the hotel coming from their room. Mm -hmm. At 10 a.m., Sid Vicious calls down to the front desk asking for help. Nancy had been stabbed in the stomach with a knife that she had bought for Sid. When police arrived, Sid was found wandering the hallways of the hotel, still completely checked the fuck out. He went back and forth between confessing to killing Nancy to saying he couldn't remember what happened. Of course, there are a million theories that supposedly clear Sid of the crime. Mm -hmm. One being a robbery or drug deal gone wrong. One even suggesting that Nancy dramatically stabbed herself for attention, but Sid was too fucked up to help her. In her book, Inside the Dream Palace, The Life and Times of New York's Legendary Chelsea Hotel, Cheryl Tippins writes that on the night of October 11th, 1978, quote, several visitors to the room saw Sid take as many as 30 tablets of Tuanol, a far larger dose of the barbiturate than most of us could survive, and one certain to put nearly anyone into a deep state of unconsciousness for hours, and he remained comatose through the morning's early hours. So she's suggesting he wouldn't have been able to be the one to kill her because he would have been passed out so hard. Mm. A theory that I read that may hold a little more water is that of Rocket's Red Glare, the drug dealer slash bodyguard. Mm -hmm. There's rumor that he could have killed Nancy. Phil Strongman wrote a book, Pretty Vacant, A History of Punk. And in his book, he says, quote, Noticing Sid flat out and gray on the bed, Red Glare decided to help himself to a bit more of the couple's cash. Nancy saw the attempted theft and flew at him, nails flying, and copped a Bowie knife in her lower abdomen. Nancy slumped to the floor immediately. With no one standing in his way, Red Glare took everything but pocket change and left behind what he believed to be two corpses. Strongman mm. goes on to say that Red Glare later confessed to a group of other patrons at CBGB's, quote, Rockets Red Glare casually admitted to several fellow drinkers that it was actually he who'd robbed and stabbed Nancy Spungen and produced a handful of her bloodstained dollars to prove it. Hmm. Whatever the case, Sid was arrested on October 12th, 1978 and charged with the murder of 20-year-old Nancy. A few days later, Vicious was released on $25,000 bail supplied by Virgin Records, his label at the time. Mm -hmm. He attempted suicide days later on October 22nd, cutting his wrists with a broken light bulb. He was hospitalized for that at Bellevue Hospital. And while there, he jumped from a window yelling about wanting to be with Nancy. Once released from the hospital, he ended up assaulting Patty Smith's brother Todd with a broken Heineken bottle at Hurrah Whoa. Dance Club in New York. Holy shit. For that, he was sent to Rikers where he spent seven weeks on a forced detox program. Something I randomly read is he never fully detoxed because his mom, Anne, would smuggle heroin into him in her vagina. Nature's pocket. Nature, yeah. To me, I'm like, if we're going to tie it in in any element of it, it's going to be that because there's the parent judging. She was also an addict. Yeah. So this was an addict with another addict behavior, you know? Yeah doing attic stuff. Yeah. Sid was again released on bail, this time for an additional $10,000. It was originally 50000 but lawyers and negotiations and money and privilege and all that stuff. Yeah. So it was at a party at his new girlfriend Michelle Robinson's place in Greenwich Village on February 1st, 1979, 
that would close this up. It's a conflicting story if he got heroin that night from a dealer he knew or from his mom. But either way, the morning after the party, Vicious was found dead of a heroin overdose by his mom, Anne, and his girlfriend, Michelle. His mom always called it a suicide, claiming she found a note in the pocket of his jacket that said, quote, we had a death pact and I have to keep my half of the bargain. Please bury me next to my baby. Bury me in my leather jacket, jeans, and motorcycle boots. Goodbye. Nancy, being Jewish, was buried in a Jewish cemetery, so the burial request wasn't going to happen. Also, because of his shit reputation, no New York funeral home wanted to hold a funeral or burial for him. So eventually his mom had him cremated. And then she ended up going to visit Nancy's mom and asked if she could scatter his ashes over Nancy's grave. And Nancy's mom, Deborah, was like, nah, bitch, and did it anyway because she's Sid Vicious's mom. Cool. And nobody was ever charged with Nancy's death. It was said that it was like it wasn't thoroughly investigated because it was just sort of rested on that Sid had done it. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, that fucking drug dealer story sounds I'd like to read more about that, Mm -hmm. about Rocket's red glare and the possibility of him being involved in it, because there was money missing from their hotel room. Yeah. I mean, for there still to be people thinking that Nancy did it herself or that it was like um, who else said it? McLaren, the manager, had said there's absolutely no way that he killed Nancy, but he also like was an abusive piece of shit. So it's not out of the realm of possibility either. And also like a blind fucking addict. He could have like woken up from his stupor and just stabbed her. Not even. Yeah, he could have gone into a psychosis from any number of things. I don't know. Hmm. And then she has this shit reputation. The girl had like a serious mental illness, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. The whole thing fucking sucks, but I just, I I can't stand, like, the glamorization of, like, they're this punk rock Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, the same shit with, like, the Joker and fucking Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. You're like, this is the most abusive shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, what did I just read the other day? Like, watching Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker, and I'm whispering to myself, I can fix you. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, so, punk rock, legends, scenester, fucking bullshit. Yeah. Come for me. Next week, we have episode 12 of season two. I do this fucking all the time. I type in season two, episode 12. And Google's like, um, Handmaid's Tale? Like, I don't know what you fucking want. (laughs) Like, yeah, you do. Okay, this episode is called Secrets. A case involving the rape and murder of a teacher hits a snag after the woman's illicit sexual history is exposed. Oh, crazy, of course. Oh my God, a woman had sex? What? (gasps) What a slut. What a slut. I feel like I didn't say that loud enough into the microphone. (laughs) Follow us on all social media at SVU Pod. Check out our Facebook group, SVU Pod, and email us at svupod at gmail.com, website svupod.com, SVU Pod, SVU Pod, SVU Pod. Yeah. Check out our merch. For perch. Cool. That's it. Yeah. Go to hashtag little bit loud to check out some other podcasts that are also doing the same. Little babies, little baby little podcast. Babe, little babe podcast. Little precious snuggle little, in my arms. Precious little seven pounds, eight ounces of little baby podcast. Oh, just been born nuzzling their wet little noses. I'm picturing a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> little fur all stuck to their bodies. <laughs> Haven't learned how to latch, little baby. <laughs> little eyes podcast. are still sealed shut. <laughs> podcast. Craving the smell of their head. Little baby podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about human babies. Well, I also... I'm talking about... Uh, 
God, Orson, when he was a puppy, he smelled so puppy-like. Oh. It, like, I, when I remember I was apprenticing, I was at I was at the shop, and somebody had made a K-cup of coffee or whatever, and mm-hmm. the smell, something about it smelled like Orson, and it, like, hurt my heart. I was like, Orson. Oh, my God, that's so fucking cute. Also, what disgusting flavor of coffee smells I know, like, like an what animal? I know, kind of wet, <laughs> fucking gross dog. <laughs> But puppies smell, oh, oh, so good. Yeah. Mm, put him in a crate next to your bed. Sorry. <laughs> this puppy's no. going to sleep on my pillow until yeah. it's the size of a fucking horse. I got a dog to treat like a human person. To have a seat at the table. It will never listen to me. Literally. For that reason, <laughs> Walter has a high chair. Does he? I spoon feed him. No. Okay. Uh, that's it. Love you. Bye. Bye. Whoop. 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 Whoop.